All right, so here we are. We are in week three of, is this guy on? You hear me? Okay. So we're in week three of the Love Like Jesus series. And if you remember, love like Jesus, you have to be loved by Jesus. Great. Week two was to love like Jesus, you must love people people like Jesus okay love to love like Jesus you must love people like Jesus today is um, as you see on your notes today is October the 21st it's really not but when I made notes I thought it was so you'll be okay so today is love to love like Jesus, you've got to love the world like Jesus loved it. Um, so we're going to be, I want you to open your Bibles up to the book of 1 John. Uh, if you, uh, it is a couple books before Revelation at the very end of your Bible. So if you hit Revelation, turn left a few pages. <clears throat> there is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We want to be in 1st John. Um, has anybody noticed a trend as we've been in the book of 1st John? Love, that's great, and not just because of the name of the series, but because, have, it, have you noticed that as you've been reading it through? How many people have, have actually read it through all three times? We've, we've kind of been asking you to read through with a certain thing in mind, um, read through the whole book of First John each week. Anybody read all three times? Okay, but you, you're experiencing things, have you, you've seen this trend. I've got an interest, some interesting facts, and uh, everybody got note sheets? If you need them, does anybody still need? Um, and there's a QR code on there if you want to scan and get the expanded outline. There's a lot of scripture referenced in there, but you might want it later uh, during the week to kind of study through some of this stuff. But here's something interesting that I found out. So um, John the Apostle wrote, obviously, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he also wrote the Gospel of John, the Gospel according to John, and he also wrote Revelation. So I went kind of digging through. We were talking about love. I went kind of digging through to see the word usage when he wrote. And something interesting that I found out was he uses the word love, loved, or loves 46 times in 1 John. 1 John alone. I don't know if you've noticed, this is a small, this is a small book. It takes up three full pages in my Bible. And he uses the one, some form of love. 46 times, and if you're a Greek nerd, and you know, well, what is it, agape love or phileo love, they're all agape love, actually, because I looked it up, every single one of them, 46 times, and um, if you combine those three with the book of John, how many times do you think you use the word love in those four books? Take a guess, 110, 110 times, here's what's interesting, in the four books, guess how many times he uses the word world? 101 times. So the man that 110 times pinned the word love, almost the same number of times pinned the word world. There's a theme. And it's a theme that we're going over today. And right now, when I say love and world, what comes to mind? I say love, world, and John. What comes to mind? John 3.16. Boom, right off the bat. 
You win a prize. John 3.16. So our, our big, or our, um, the theme for the morning is to love like Jesus, you must love the world like Jesus. And so what we want to do is we want to dig in a couple ways that Jesus did that. But first, we bring up John 3.16, and we've got kind of this contradictory, um, this contradictory, it seems contradictory in Scripture, but we know Scripture doesn't contradict itself. But what we've got is, in 1 John 2.15, and then John 3.16. So everybody's in the book of 1 John, and you're ready, I'm going to read to you a verse. Chapter 2, verse 15 this morning. Do not love the world. Let me read that again. Do not love the the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a command. That's actually one of the only commands in the book of First John. Do not love the world. But when I read that, I'm thinking, well, how, how, can, how are you telling me not to love the world? But John 3.16, the verse that everybody knows, says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So it seems like, so I'm asking the question, how do these match? How do these fit together? Don't love the world, but, but love the world. All right, so obviously God doesn't love the things of the world, right? I mean, that's not really in question. Um, I, I came across Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, I mean, if you had any question, does, does God, when God says he loves the world, does he love everything in it and the things that we do? I have a, a verse that puts that to rest. It says, it tells us seven things in that scripture, and this is Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And all the, all the scriptures I referenced today are on this expanded outline. It tells us seven things that he hates. Hates. Not dislikes, not disapproves, hates. You want to know what they are? Haughty eyes. I don't even know how you make haughty eyes. I actually had to look that one up. Does anybody know what that means? Pride. Arrogance. So essentially the essentially a spirit of arrogance about you. So haughty eyes. I don't know how you make haughty eyes. I thought about asking you to try it, and then I was like, well, God hates that. So I'll be telling you all to do what God hates. So let's not practice it. But arrogance... Pride, he hates a lying tongue, a murderer, the heart that plans evil, feet that run to evil, a liar. So I don't know if you notice, there's kind of some repetition there. And one who spreads strife among the brothers. These things he hates. And we could park there all day, right? We don't even have to, we could, we could just look at these verses and just just kind of do some soul searching and think about the things that God here has described and said, I hate these things. I hate seeing these things in you. I want them to be gone. But we won't, we won't park it there, but that might be one for you to come back to later. Um, look, so he obviously hates certain things. So he doesn't love the things of this world. Uh, Psalm 97.10 tells us to hate evil things along with him. So he hates sin... And then a really cool scripture, if you came across it in chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 8 tells us that Jesus, God sent Jesus into the world to defeat the works of the devil who has been sinning from the beginning. Really cool verse. And he came in and he did the job and he has conquered the devil. And the, the battle is already over. The victory has been won. 
And so he obviously hates the things of this world. So the conclusion, the fair and safe conclusion is to say that while he doesn't love the things of the world, he unconditionally loves the world's people. Okay? And so this morning we've got to look at how, how, we, how we fit in that mold with him. We're going to put, put another way is your theme for, is your big idea for the morning. You see your big idea, you can pull that up on the screen. Love the world's souls, not the world's stuff. Love the world's souls, not the world's stuff. Like that. That's good. All right, so how does God love the world and its souls? Obviously, he sent Jesus. He gave himself. He put on flesh and came and died for the world. That's how he loved them. So when Jesus was on earth, because we, we can't die for the sins of the world, we need to look at the life that Jesus lived while he was on earth. Let's connect the dots a little bit. Everybody tracking with this? Not the world's stuff, but the world's soul. So John connects the dots down in verse 17. I want to read this to you. Here's what he says. The world is passing away. Great reason not to love the world and its things. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So we've got to ask, what is this will? He tells us a couple times in Scripture here, in this same book. He tells us in 1 John 3, 23 through 24. I'll read you that. I'm just trying to connect some dots for you guys before we hit into the, the heart of this. He says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. This is his commandment. If you go back to verse 17, the one who does the will of God, that's it. That is his will. Love Jesus and love one another. I mean, that's the, that's the mission of our church. How many, how, many of you, how many of you can say you've never heard the mission? I mean, we, we plaster that thing everywhere. Near, oh, come on, killing me. Near, near, man. I mean, that, that's the mission of this thing. That's the command of God. That's why it's the mission of our church is we want to be near God, and we want men to be near God. We want to draw them near the God that we are near. And he, he reiterates this commandment in the next chapter, chapter 4, 19 through 21. I'll read that to you. We love because he first loved us, and that's how we set up this whole series, right? Week one was to be, to love like Jesus, you must be loved like Jesus. And that was the heart of week one, was we love because he first loved us. It keeps going. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Straightforward, right? No, no questions to ask, no gray matter here, right? Very straightforward. God wants us to love these souls of this world. So this says our brother. Who's our brother? Who's our sister? 
How about that? Who's our brother and our sister? Well, on paper, we would say the people that also follow Christ with us, right? So we would say on paper and biblically they're brother and sister. But I don't know what happens tomorrow. Do you? I don't know who ends up a follower of Jesus tomorrow and ends up my brother and sister. So theoretically, everybody I come in contact with is my brother or my sister. That's what I want, right? That's what I desire. I want them to come into the kingdom. So that's, the, that's our mindset this morning, is that we want to love people and treat everyone as if they are our brother and sister and they might come into relationship with Jesus this very moment. So, back to Jesus. Let's look at this morning three ways, and those are the three things that are on your notes. Three ways he loved the world and how we can follow his lead. Okay? You ready to roll? Number one is he gave the world what he had. He gave the world what he had. And this was his talents, times, his talents, time, and his treasure. And that's kind of a that's a kind of a go-to. That's a great sermon to do just on its own. But we're just going to highlight it, and it, and it's alliterated. And you know, if you're a really good pastor, you alliterate things. Um, so I was saying gifts instead of talents, but it didn't start with a T. So that's a great sermon that could be on its own. But we don't have all morning to stay on this. We want to look at how Jesus gave these three things. So how did he give his talents or his gifts? Okay, so he had a little of an unfair advantage being God. Okay, so first, don't set yourself up here and think that you can't measure up because let's just get that out there. You can't. So you can't exactly give like Jesus gave, but we're going to look at how we can. So he gave his, his talents. They were primarily the things that we recognize in Scripture, and that's the only authority we've got, right? The only authority we've got is Scripture. And so that's where we observe Jesus and his life. And so we observe him teaching, and we observe him performing miracles and healing a lot of people. Those were his talents. Those were his gifts. If you want to categorize it as such, that was Jesus' gifts. And so what we can observe is him doing a lot of those. I mean, we don't know what he did else. He might have had, I mean, we know he was a carpenter. We know that was his trade. So I was joking with Tyler that maybe he built wheelchair ramps for the elderly in his spare time, and then Tyler was like, why don't I just heal him and get him out of the wheelchair, but fine. I mean, we don't know what he did in his spare time. What we see in Scripture is that he taught and taught well, and that he did miracles, and he healed people. The outline's got a few, a few examples, the best-known examples of this, if you want to go back and look through them. Some of his famous teachings were the Beatitudes, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, I mean, there, there's not one thing that you can read that is more beneficial to you in life. I mean, it is, it is unreal. It changes everything. I mean, it just changes everything. The Beatitudes, the Golden Rule, the Lord's Prayer, preaching about things like anxiety and money and death and life. The, some of the famous miracles were turning water into wine. Like, we don't expect you to have that kind of talent. If you did, you would turn it into a vineyard, right? You'd be like, hey, check out what I got. I got a vineyard over the weekend. You planted a vineyard over the weekend? Yeah. Where's it at? In my bathroom. Watch. 
water. Wine. Water. Like, we don't expect that out of you, right? We can't, we don't have these things that he can do. So what can we do? He healed leprous people. He resurrected people from the dead. He fed, he multiplied fish sticks and fed 5,000 people. He did it more than once. So what are your talents and and your gifts that you can give to the world? Just a real point blank, simple question. What can you give to the world? What are your things that you are naturally gifted at? You don't have to, like, rack your brain to get some big super spiritual thing. I mean, are you good at athletics and you minister to people through sports? I'm obviously one of those people, right? Why y'all laugh at that? That hurts my feelings. I mean, you can't tell that. I'm athletically gifted. My hand wouldn't be on my hip. If I was, I'd be like this. So, are you athletically gifted? Can you counsel people through issues? Are you a great listener? Are you good at organizing, at, at serving basic needs, cooking? Like, these are gifts and talents. If he has provided you with those, they are, they've been provided to you for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us what this purpose is. Verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12 says he gave each one of us something different for the common good. So there's a reason that you're athletically gifted and I'm not. It is for the common good of serving the world and loving the world and people, bringing people to the world. So we're speaking about gifts and talents. I want to reiterate something. I want to make sure you, you get and you, you are willing to yourself accept that you do have talents. Every one of you. You have gifts and God uniquely prepared you to use them. Got it? Do you promise me you believe that? Every one of you. There is not a tier. There is not a special, special, he's better because he's got cooler gifts. Like, there is not a tier here. You are uniquely gifted and talented to do the work of God on this earth to love the world. And because I stand up here with a guitar and usually don't crack my voice, and Paul preaches, does not mean that we're on some special tier. You are uniquely gifted and talented to do this part. So he gave his talents, he gave his time. People were in his life all the time, constantly surrounding him so much so if he needed a breather, he had to go get in a boat and go out into the middle of a lake or get up at like 3 in the morning and climb a mountain. I don't know about you, but I don't want to climb a mountain at 3 in the afternoon So he was constantly surrounded, right? So he gave up all of his time. He didn't have much time to spare. He didn't have time to himself. He sacrificed his time to the world. He gave it up freely. And he gave it up to people that needed the love that he had to give. So the question for this one is, how tightly do you hold your time? Like, for some of you, some of you would say this morning, it is my most precious and valuable resource is my time. I think, I think we would probably say that. 
I would say that probably that it is my most precious and valuable time. So if I'm tempted to hold anything like this and not like this, it's probably going to be my time. Are you willing to sacrifice time reasonably, responsibly, not to the forsaking of your family or your job? Are you willing to give up your time? Or, or are you addicted to yourself? Are you addicted to yourself? Man cave? You know what that tells me? That tells me you are addicted to yourself. Because you need to feed yourself and get away from family. I mean, things, are you addicted to yourself? Can you give your time away? That's a hard question to ask. But it's one I want you to ask this morning. I want you to be asking yourself that. So, I love football. If me and Paul have anything in common... It's we love to watch football, okay? In my earlier years, like, I was way too into it. I mean, obviously, I don't like to play football, but I like to watch it. And in my earlier years, man, I would, I would get way too into it, and Jennifer would tell you stories that I was just, I would get frustrated with it, and it's kind of embarrassing now, but, and that's just dumb because it's just this game, but I love it. And so when Kata came into our life, like, Already, the time that I had that might have gone to someone like that, it's just not there anymore. It's not there. And so she had to become greater than the me time. Everybody talks about me time. There are things that are greater than me time. And that's, what, that's what the title of this morning is. Souls are greater than stuff. Souls are greater than stuff. Do you believe it? then do we, do we flesh that out, that we believe that? Like, there are things that just need to be sacrificed in our lives. I could feed myself. I could, I could be a Philip addict and have carved out this time that serves me. Who would have to take the hit for that? My wife, my daughter, people that don't know Jesus, they would have to take the hit for that. Is it worth it? What are people worth to you? Ask yourself that question in your mind right now. What are people worth to me? What are souls worth to me? So he gave his talents, gave his time. He gave his treasure, which he didn't really have. So he's kind of exempt on this. He didn't have treasure. Okay? Um... He lived to an extent where he had nothing, and he lived very simply a broke, homeless life. And he walked around, and he, he received food from people and shelter from whoever would give it to him. I mean, that was his ministry. So I'm not asking you to do that. God might ask you to do that, and then if he did, you, would, you should go do it. But I'm not asking for that. I get the differences there. And I get how, how he lived out here on earth. But your financial treasures, we have a lot of them. Homes, cars, bank accounts, nest eggs, clothes, tools, food, technology. I mean, everybody in here has got a smart something. If it's not a smart brain, it's a smartphone or a tablet. I mean, everybody in here right now has a computer in your pocket or in your pocketbook, just about, in this whole entire room. Do you, uh, it's, a, it's a computer. It's not a phone. We need to walk through the technology of that later. We can. I mean, it's a, it's a computer. You can get a degree on your iPhone, literally. 
we have an endless supply of things. 1 John 2.15 asks you the question, if you love them. If you love them. Let me read that verse again. Let me read that verse again. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or its things. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So how do you know if you love your things? How do you know if you love your stuff? How do you know if you love yourself? Here's, a, here's, here's how you know that you love. You've got to ask the question, am I willing to give them up for people? Are people's souls worth more than your things? And that sounds like a, well, that's a no-brainer. But wait till we put it in action. Wait till we don't really feel like going and doing XYZ with our time or giving XYZ to this person or we need we have this thing and somebody needs it and I really want to get money back for it but they can't give me money. That's where this fleshes out. And that's where we ask the question, are you willing to give them up for people? Are people's souls more worth more than your things? Hear this, a treasure is just a thing if you're willing to sacrifice it for the good of someone's soul. You know it's an idol if you can't let it go. It's a question for the morning. If you won't let it go, it's an idol. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that. I'm telling you. I'm telling myself. If you will not let it go, that, that says it's not worth a soul. And it's an idol. And idols will destroy you. And you've got to tear them down. So you hear 2 Corinthians 9 through 9, 11 a lot. It's what's on the wall over there by our giving boxes. This is not a sermon about giving. I'm going to ask you to give today. I mean, you can give on the way out like you would already be planning on it. You hear this scripture a lot. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, resulting in thanksgiving to God. You don't have stuff for your sake. Like, do we get that? God doesn't give us stuff for our sake. He gives us stuff so that we can live and bless other people. That's what we're learning. That's what we're trying to build a culture of at the gathering. It's not so we have a six-figure life. A six-figure paycheck does not mean you need to live a six-figure lifestyle. And that's hard because that's not America, right? America is a six-figure income means you need to live a seven-figure Lifestyle. That's why, God, what's the figure? Um, the last time I saw it, Americans, the average American spends 110% of their income. I'm not great at math. But that's a little more than comes in. I mean, you get that? That's, that's, our, that's American culture. Is we want to serve and serve ourselves. But he's saying, I gave you that so that you can be generous in every way and give it away. That's what Jesus did. So there's time, talents, and treasures. You've all identified them in your mind as, as I've taught this morning. You've all, you've all come up with different things in your brain this morning about the things that you have, the times, talents, and treasures that you have. And here's, here's what we see is if you have your eyes open and you actually don't live under a rock, you see people need and want those talents and those treasures and that time constantly. Is there any question to that? That there is always 
somebody that has their hand in need of it or should have their hand asking for it because they do need it. And this, is, this goes way, way beyond finances. This is spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs. It is a limitless supply of people who need all the time. My daughter needs us all the time. I mean, she's, she's not even three yet. She couldn't survive. She couldn't survive on her own. She can't pour physical resources back into our family, but I don't look at her and say, well, when you can, when you can carry your weight, I'll start pouring back into you. No, we don't do that, right? You would punch me in the throat if you saw me doing that to my three-year-old, right? She's always wanting from me. I don't care what I don't care what I'm eating. And she can verify this. And it's funny. I don't care what I'm eating or how enthralled she is in something on TV or what swiper is swiping. I don't care what it is. If I sit down on that couch with a cup of something, here's here's what's going to happen. I don't care if it's an octopus and it's stuck to my face. I'm just chewing. What you got? Octopus. It's on my face. Can I have some? Every time. Every time. You can come over and you can observe this. Every time. There's always, like, and what kind of dad would I be if I said, no, nah, this is just mine. This is my snack. This is my whatever. What kind of dad would that be? It's not, not a dad like God who the Bible says that he's a good father, a perfect father, and knows how to give good what? You know how to give your stuff away? You know how to give your time and your treasure away and not hold on to it so tight? And there's always needs. And if you don't see them, you've got your eyes closed. And you got your eyes wide shut. So, Jesus gave what he had. He gave what he could have had. This one's going to hurt. He gave what he could have had. And here's the things that he could have had. Just a few of them. There could be a lot more. But he, Satan offered him, if you remember in Matthew 4, he offered him rulership of the whole world in the desert. You remember when he was tempted and Satan said, I'll give you all of this. You will, you will reign over the whole world as a physical king right now. He, um, he had armies of people that followed him. Thousands and thousands of people that followed him before he started saying really hard things. So he could have cut out the really hard things, the things that your atheist friends say, well, I like Jesus part of the time. I like those things, he said. If he had stuck with those things, he could have had an army of followers, limitless, never-ending. He would have been a better Gandhi and, and, and this guy preaching all this love and world peace if he had not said the hard things and the people fell away. And that's that's another thing. Guess what happens when you say hard things? Sometimes people leave. Sometimes people will leave your life. Sometimes people will leave this church. Sometimes people, because you say, hey, guess what? You're a follower of Jesus, and the Bible says you should not do this. Sometimes hard things result from hard words. Jesus could have, Jesus would have recognized that, right? And he could have said, well, I'm, I'm going to cut out this part of it. 
guess what? He would have had he would have had billions following him. He put in the hard parts that led to salvation and holiness. And you can go look at it in, in the book of John. Man, when he started saying weird things like, you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh, I don't know if I'm cool with that. I don't think I get the metaphor. It says they walked away. And that's when, you remember that awesome scripture where he turns to, he turns to Peter. This scripture, I love this scripture. These people walk away because he said hard things. And he turns to Peter and he says, you going to leave me too? And you remember what Peter says? Where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? He could have had the multitudes. So what else could he have had? He could have lived forever. All right, you get that? He could have lived as an immortal flesh man on earth forever. And out of every possession that you could possibly imagine, he could have had every physical need and desire met in a palace in every city in the world. I mean, he could have had that. He sacrificed all of that for a short, difficult, poor, homeless life to serve people. So think about what you could have if you weren't giving to ministries, to this church. Think about the extra extra wad of cash that you would have in your pocket. Think about our team that's in India, what they could have done with the several thousand dollars that they they raised and took out of their bank account to go over there and do some medical mission work and love on people. Think about what they could have spent. What could you spend two, two grand on today? What could you do with that today? I, I could tell you immediately what I would do with that. I'm not going to tell you what I'd do with that, but I could tell you immediately what I would do with that. We know what happened because they, because they were not willing to say, well, they were not going to say, oh, it's mine. I've earned it. I deserved it. Man, they've already, they've already baptized 10 people. They left Thursday. It takes a day to get over there. It's Sunday. They've already baptized 10 people. They have already been in this, in this shelter for these, these young girls that have been in the sex traffic all under the age of 10 years old. They've already been in their lives praying for them, praying over them, pouring scripture into their lives. And they paid to go do that. He's given you these things so you can be generous in every way, not so that you can live the American dream. Did you get that? You see that? I mean, what if you weren't sponsoring a kid in Africa? I mean, Jan talked about this kid she sponsors. I hope that some of you have sponsored children. We've got a couple kids that we sponsor. And that's $75 a week. Boom. Bank draft. I mean a month. Boom. Bank draft. A month. $75 a month. Boom. 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 Man, what if you're not doing, what if you weren't doing those things? Think of the money that would, would be there. But is it obedience? And is it self-serving? Is it showing that you have an addiction to yourself? Um, it's expensive. I mean, it takes money to, to, to build relationships, to cook meals for people, to love on people, to go out and to serve, to give up freely and not need something in return. Case in point, Sunday, Sunday night, we had a need that, that, that needed to be met. I put up on Facebook, Sunday night, I need a bike for a friend at our church that needs to not walk 45 minutes to work. I need a bike. 
11 minutes. I had a Facebook message. I got a bike. You can have it. 11 minutes. Okay? You can have this bike. That person could have sold it for 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Filled up their little car with gas for a month. Probably driving some hybrid or something. I don't know. You get that? 11 minutes, somebody said, you can have it. I don't need anything for it. That is how Jesus functioned, and that's how he wants us to function. It's a sacrificial thing. It's a giving thing. And like I said before, there's always somebody that has their hand here because they are in need, or we need to take their hand and say, you need, and I love you enough to give and to do, and it's not just a money thing. It's not just a money thing. First Timothy 6, 17, this is one of our core values. And if you're around the core values, we talked about at our core of that series. If you weren't and you really want to dig into what the gathering is all about and know if you think that we're nuts or not, you can go to at our core and realize that we are. And it's on the website. You can listen to those sermons. But one of the things is we value simple living. And I know that's not... That's anti-American dream. We value simple living. 1 Timothy 6 tells us this. We value simpler living. Well, this, this is our core value. We value simpler living and expect a lifestyle of contentment. Contentment. Everybody say contentment. We expect a lifestyle of contentment to enable greater and more generous giving. But the issue is we're so entitled. We think we've earned something. We think we deserve something. And that, that would kill you. You get that? That would kill you. You walk around thinking that you've earned or you deserve. You know the thing that you deserve and earn? I don't even need to say it because you all get that, right? You the think the one thing that we truly earned and deserved was eternal separation away from God. But he gave up what he could have had so that he could remedy that. And that's what we've earned. You know what I've earned? There we go. There's the rest of the notes. They keep they keep jumping away. All right, so you've heard number so number two was he gave up what he could have had. Everybody's heard the phrase you can't take it. You live like that, you live like you believe it. You've heard it, you live like you believe it. Jot that question down. You hear it, you say it at funeral. Well, you can't take it, couldn't take it with him. Do you live like you believe you can't take it with you? Matthew 6, 19, 19 through 21 says, Don't store up treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. And remember what, remember what John said in 2.17? What did he say? What's going to happen? The world is passing away and it's lust. The world is a carcass, all right? So you're going to hang on to a carcass, or are you going to build up treasures in heaven? It's the question of the day. The third one. Almost done. We're making good time, right? The third one is, he, Jesus gave the world what he shouldn't have. So he gave the world what he had. He gave the world what he could have had. He gave the world what he shouldn't have. Almost done. Jesus gave his life willingly on the cross. 
He shouldn't have done it. You get that, right? We all know that he shouldn't have done it for us because we didn't deserve it. It would have been perfectly acceptable if God had said, you guys jacked it all up. I'm just going to leave you to it. There is no hope for you. I'm not going to, you don't deserve this. Like he would have been perfectly justified in that, right? We wouldn't have had a right to point our finger and say, really? You're just going to leave us to this? We wouldn't have a right to do that. We'd have every right to just say, well, we did. We deserve this. He gave what he shouldn't have, and he gave it on the cross. Romans 5, 8 through 10 tells us, tells us that we were his enemies. It calls us his enemies. You got any enemies? Really? Anybody got any enemies in the room? I do. I mean, come on. Like, Romans tells us that he died for us, we were his enemies. So when he tells us this stuff later in the Bible, when he, when he was telling us these things, love your enemies, he was, he was going to, like, perfect that and show you exactly how that happens because he died for us. So how does this translate to us? I just jotted down a few things on this outline, a few ways that... Um, that we can give what we shouldn't have. I mean, obviously, you're probably not going to have the chance to lay your life down for somebody. All right? Let's just be honest. Like, some of us would do it. Some of us wouldn't. Some of us who think that we would do it wouldn't do it. And some of us who think that we wouldn't do it would do it. Did you catch all that? Like, like but realistically, that chance probably doesn't come into effect. So what can you give that you shouldn't give to people? Forgiveness, ding, ding, ding. The first one here is probably the biggest one. It's the one that we we could spend a series on is forgiveness. Giving people forgiveness. Give it out like it's bubblegum. Forgiveness to people. And doesn't that hurt to give out forgiveness when people don't deserve it? But you know that you need to forgive a wrong and move on. And give out forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32. Some of you need to write that down because this is, this is your snare and you, you cannot forgive and you cannot let go and you cannot tear down a grudge. You need to, you need to, you need to consume Ephesians 4.32. And here's what it says. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Man, that's the ultimate reminder. He forgave the undeserving. How dare we not forgive the undeserving? Man, that's big stuff. He got the raw deal that Jesus got out of it was nothing compared to the raw deal you get over it for forgiving somebody doesn't deserve it. Doesn't even compare. Not in the same universe. Okay, forgive, give it out like bubblegum, kindness, be kind to people that aren't deserving. Everybody got a job? Who's got a job? Then you know about 50 people that probably walk around looking all sad and mad and don't deserve kindness, right? We're just in and around people everywhere. Man, give out kindness. You remember what Romans 2.4 says about God's kindness? You might remember it? Do Bible drill. What's it say about God's kindness? Say it louder. God's kindness led us to 
repentance, to salvation. And what's your kindness going to do to somebody with a hard heart that doesn't deserve it? Give out kindness. Give out what you shouldn't have to people that don't deserve it. Forgiveness, kindness. Maybe the kindness you show to an undeserving jerk leads him or her to repentance. And y'all all have an undeserving jerk in your mind right now, right? Man, I said, I said that, and you just laser sharp focused in on somebody that just needs kindness. Don't deserve it. Forgive debts that people won't or can't pay you back financially, emotionally. Man, forgive those debts. And go above and beyond for people and love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those are both in Matthew 5. So here, here it is. We, we, just, we talked a lot today about what Jesus has done, what he accomplished, what he did to love the world. To love the world, we need to love like that. And that is, if you wrapped all this up, man, it's a sacrificial lifestyle. Like, does that, is that fair to say if we, put, if we put today in a box and we put a tag on it, it would say sacrifice? It's not easy doing like this. It's easier to love myself a little bit more, to hang on to my stuff, my resources, to build up my own little empire. And Jesus says, lay that trash down. Lay that down. Store it up later. Store it up in heaven. I would encourage you to download this, or to download this outline. I want you to go through these scriptures this week. I want you to read these things, these, these commands of the word for us. And it's like I said earlier, it's our only authority. The only authority we've got is this Bible. I want you to, to, to soak those in. All right, last thing, and this is it, okay? Give people what they don't deserve from you to show them what they don't deserve from God. Let me say that again. Give people what they don't deserve from you to show them what they don't deserve from God. That's your charge. That's my charge for today, October 21st. Some of y'all still wait. That's your charge. This is grace. You see that? We painted this big old picture. I never said the word grace, but I painted a picture of grace today. It's the grace. Jesus is saying, look, I showed you so much grace. And I filled you with my Holy Spirit. And I've enabled you to pour out just as much grace. Give grace to people so they'll receive God's grace. Here's what we want to do. I just want to pray over you. I want to just encourage you to just brainstorm. Get the wheels turning Make notes, like like put a reminder in your phone that is a computer that is in your pocket. Put a reminder in there. Contact this person. Ask this person if they if they need this. Ask this person if I can do that for them. This person at work tomorrow, like go ask them if I can pray for them right off the bat. Like like make out a game plan. Like this doesn't just need to be like a fluffy little morning. Oh man, Jesus did a great job. I hope I can do a great job. You won't do a great job if you don't like shoot for the moon here. Pray about, ask God to show you how you can flesh this out. How you can flesh this out at work on a college campus. In your home. 
How's that going, moms and dads? In your home, how can you flesh this out? So what I want you to do is I want you to really seriously, take this series, start forming like a game plan on how you can love the world like Jesus loved the world. Put, put names in your mind, write them out, strategize. Pray that God would show you how to make this work, all right? I want to pray over you guys this morning, and um, then we're going we're gonna to throw some music on. You're welcome to stay and hang out. We really love you. We thank you for being here this morning. If you're visiting, make sure you turn in your visitor card. We want to give you a gift for you. If you want to give on the way out, the boxes are by the door. You want to give to the, to the ministry of what we do here and how we serve people. Cool. Thank you, man. I love you. All right, I want to pray for you. Um, listen, if you if you need some prayer on your you know just with somebody else, some specific prayer after we get done, just come on down. I'll be glad to pray with you. There's you know this guy's up here, Eugene's up here, Todd's up here. There's other men up here that would love to pray with you this morning. Uh, ladies up here, so don't don't hold back. Let's be transformed into Jesus. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for giving us love that we didn't deserve. Man, we didn't deserve it. You could have sent us straight, straight to hell, the first sin that we committed, but you didn't do it. You gave us grace, and I'm praying, I'm begging you to help me give out grace freely to people, freely, and to give out what I have, to give out what I could have, to give out what I shouldn't. God, I pray that you would transform our hearts into your heart. And if that's the case, we can change Stanley County. And we would change this place. You would change this place through us. And I pray that you would do that, Lord. Father, I pray that you would anoint the people in this building this morning to go live out a sacrificial lifestyle, to make necessary changes to make the cuts in life that hurt but are worth people's souls. Man, I pray that you would do that. And God, I pray that right now that if there are individuals in this room that never first experience your grace and your love, that you will win their heart over right now and that you'll bring them up here and we'll walk them through what it means to be saved. If that's you, man. Come on up. All right, we love you, Lord Jesus. Help us do this this week. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we love you guys. Have a great week.